0: Welcome, everybody, to Purple Politics. Uh, Glad to see you all for another show. My name is Jay
1: Stittleberg. I'm the Democrat in the room. And I'm Sean Thompson. I'm the elephant in the room, the resident Republican. How you doing, Sean? Well, so far so good. The earth is still spinning on its (laughs) axis. This is the first episode of the uh, Biden administration. It is. And uh, though you're watching it later, the inauguration happened like, what, three hours ago, three, four hours ago. Yeah,
0: it's going to be uh, obviously a new president. Uh, Every time we get a new president, it's always interesting to see what they do. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're certainly their first hundred days, but certainly over the course of time. And uh, obviously it's very interesting times right now, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens.
1: Absolutely. It is. So we're going to talk about catching up with some stuff from last week. Uh, then we'll talk about some local stuff, and then I think, of course, the big topic today will be Inauguration Day and moving forward from here, and that's how you know we're live because I didn't turn the ringer off my phone. There we go. Sean, you're doing amazing. Keep up the great work and wipe the floor with Jay. Okay. You, you got it. Okay, so first off, to, I just want to it's talk to about... friends. Yeah, right. Uh, first, let's talk about uh, what I'm going to call spillover from last week. Uh, I don't like... When I I know something, but I don't have a fact or figure to back it up, and I I think last week I raised a point, but I couldn't back it up, and I said this is it this week. So there were a couple of things. Um, I I did point out that Kamala Harris uh, did uh, was involved in a bail situation for for protesters and rioters and there were questions about it, so I did find out that she did actually send a text out publicly as well as directed several staff members and the the, the tweet she put out, and this is a quote, uh, if you're able to, chip in now to uh, the MFF, which is the Minnesota Freedom Fund, to help post bail for those protesting on the ground in Minnesota. Uh, The MFF did, from the money it raised, from a lot of money it raised, uh, did take $210,000 worth towards bail. Now, how that got... <clears throat> kind of convoluted jay which usually is what happens someone will hijack a conversation and go oh but right. there was a child rapist who was released on that now a child rapist was released by the judge in minnesota right. that the mff had originally put the bail bond on but that was before this situation so yes the mff was involved so for me kind of worst case scenario it's be careful who you're promoting for for bond stuff.
0: Yeah, and I well, and I think in the in the broader picture, you know, you you have to look at the cause. Anytime you donate money to something, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be, you know, you should be cognizant of of how that money's spent because you don't ever usually know 100% how that money's spent. Right. Uh, when you donate money and just because you donate money to a certain cause, I mean, the cause of the MFF is that they fight the cash bail system we have in this country that they, they feel is very unfair, especially towards people that are very poor because if they set a, set a bail and they set it really high for a certain offense and they can't afford to pay the bail to get out of jail. Uh, so it's part of the whole criminal justice system that needs a lot of reform. So in my opinion, the cause in general about having issues with the cash bail system that we have in, in America is a good cause because it's flawed. And it does need to be reformed along with many other things in our criminal justice system. Um, But we also have to understand that when we donate money to an organization, we don't always have control of how exactly they're going to spend that money or who they're going to spend that money on. And when it comes to this particular situation, we also have to recognize that the uh, MFF uh, isn't the one that sets bail for somebody who's accused of a crime. It's the judge that does that. Mm -hmm. So the judge has uh, the ability to either set a bail or not set a bail. And, and if they do set a bail, then that's when that organization could potentially come into play, depending on who the defendant may be. So, you know, so we always have to be careful and and, and we should always do our research, as we always talk about All on right. this show, uh, to make sure we're not just here on one side of the story.
1: Right. Uh, now, uh, <clears throat> to, to take it back to the last week's topic, though, it's that whole point was raised because, uh, you know, there's a sense from from the left in general that that. <clears throat> former President Trump incited, you know, with his words. And I pointed out that, you know, this incitement has been building and building and and what the <clears throat> Portland and other riots that, you know, they went beyond peaceful protesting into riots. And I think someone have to be really obtuse to not agree with that. That they went way beyond a peaceful sit-in, peaceful protest, flags waving. Um But that the vice presidential candidate directed her own staff and put out a public tweet saying, pay these people's bills and get them back out on the street so they can do it again tomorrow night.
0: Well, I I guess a couple couple points there. Excuse me. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the first being, I, uh, I'll say this on the last part of it, I don't think she directed anybody to do it because even the tweet said, if you are able to do well, it. Well, that
1: was the public tweet to right? the world, but she did direct staff so, members to give to the NSA.
0: So at, at the end of the day, they have a choice to give or not to give. True. I mean, that that that's how it really works. Uh, and when it comes to, you know, what happened over the summer at these uh, protests that went on, of course, there was the rioting and looting that went on that no one I know of agrees with. Uh, I don't think the major organizations that actually... Um, organized a lot of those events. They don't go out and that's not something that they promote. That's not something that they sit there and whether it's Black Lives Matter or any of those other organizations, their their premise is not to go out and riot and uh, burn things down. And and every protester, just like, you know, what happened two weeks ago, uh, every protester didn't take part in that. There were agitators as part of, you know, probably both of those situations because that's been proven by the people that got arrested. Uh, Certainly, I think it was the police department that was was torched. It wasn't a Black Lives Matter supporter that actually torched that police station. So, you know, we have to make sure, again, that we do our research. And just because, you know, you you have to see what happens in the follow-on. You know, and and I know we talked about the inciting of, you know, people's words. And words do have consequences. And words do matter. Um, You know, and, and we have seen through, you know, the course of these last couple of weeks that there are other people that agree with what I said last week uh, including the majority leader in the Senate who, who made a speech and called, uh, called out the president for inciting the protesters. So, so again, there's a lot of angles that this goes through. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think we'll, we'll just have to see how it all plays out with, with the criminal justice system and the justice department.
1: Okay, so there we go. So we, I did want to cover that from last week. If there, if we do raise something that maybe you have questions about or want clarification on, please, please, please drop us please a line. Please
0: drop us a line. Oh,
1: we, we'd love to hear that. Uh, the other thing we we uh, touched on that I, I actually don't want to go into too much detail because I don't think it's, it's really relevant, but I know that last week you were kind of adamant saying no widespread voter fraud. And I actually found, I printed out some stuff and... I'm only saying that because I, I, I did, but I don't want to go through it. I, there's always voter fraud. Yes. There's always something. And, and the what happened or didn't happen, happened or didn't happen. The simple fact is that as of today, you know, the Electoral College did meet, vote, uh, and passed. And that's what it's about. That's how Trump won over Hillary Clinton with the Electoral College. And one thing I'm not a fan of is hypocrisy, so I can't carp on one you know when it favors me and not uh that being said uh i believe from this moment on uh hopefully there will be massive oversight i guess is, is the best way to say it uh to keep this be- because if questions are raised the last thing that needs to be happening is saying no 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 no, and just rush it through let the legal uh, recourses take place
0: Well, I I don't disagree that legal recourses should take place. You have to provide evidence for the legal recourse to even begin to take place to to begin with, and that was the problem they had. Well, there were
1: 3,000 signed affidavits, and that's 3,000 counts of evidence. And
0: and so, well, I I think there's... That is evidence. (laughs) And I think there's some issues with many of those affidavits that were signed. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, I don't disagree. But again, 3,000 affidavits wouldn't have changed the results of the election overall. It wouldn't have... Uh, and I think that's the point of the discussion that we've been having, you know, as far as, you know, voter fraud and, and its its role in this particular election. Every election has voter fraud mm-hmm. on, on one side or the other or both, because mm-hmm. uh, this one did. And it wasn't just on one side. It was on both sides.
1: Well, and that was and d- what so- I did print out. Had both, because, again, I I would be just really duplicitous. Oh, Democrat here, Democrat there. Republicans are just as good as trying to pull the wool over the voters' eyes as as a Democrat is. Uh, But just in general, uh, we can't say, well, there's no voter fraud or may or may not have made a difference. We don't know. This is just who got caught. And and uh, yeah, I'm sure there's some algorithm out there for everyone that's caught. There's blank number who got away there,
0: with it. I'm sure there probably is by somebody who knows. Right. I'm sure there's a mathematician or statistician somewhere mm-hmm. that wants to do it.
1: I say um, we go back to the punching the holes with a hanging. Well, I'd rather yeah. take my chances <laughs> with a hanging Chad. Well, I think than at the end software. of
0: the day, you know, there there are some changes that could be made in in the way you know elections are handled. Uh, I still think states should be able to handle the elections the way they want to. I don't think it should be a nationalized thing, to be quite honest with you. Hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I think they're, much like public education, I, ne- I think there needs to be guidelines that need to be followed. And and one of those guidelines, I think, need to be followed is we, we all know we use a lot of electronic voting machines, um, and I think the ones that uh, are better able to be audited are those voter machines that actually provide a paper trail Mm -hmm. Uh, something we don't have in montgomery county by the way our voter machines do not have a paper trail Mm. so they are not auditable that way Uh, and there are certain counties in texas even surrounding counties close to us um, that Mm -hmm. recently purchased new voting machines but they are the type of voting machines that do not have a paper trail and they said they will not buy them unless the state mandates they buy them uh, but if we really want to overhaul the election system in the state of Texas, they should pass a law that requires elections to be held on machines that actually provide a paper trail, so that you can do an audit. I mean, I don't. To me, this is not rocket science. It's not hard to figure this out.
1: Concur for both sides. <laughs> Carping between, let's say, 2008 through present day, or even 2000 uh, through present day, both sides have had equal stage time with, you know, this is wrong. Well, so you both, both sides now have the uh, the excuse, excuse is the wrong word, but as you said, to, to go full transparency, to stop being coy about it, buy machines that have paper trails, that way get rid of the questions, and I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that.
0: Well, and I think the other thing that needs to happen just with our election process in general is I think people need to understand, you know, if we talk about absentee ballots or mail-in ballots, right, so... Um, you know there's plenty of states that do, uh, I think five for sure, uh, do 100% mail-in ballots. You still have the option to go on election day and vote in person if mm-hmm. you want to. Uh, it's not like you can't vote in person, but every single uh, registered eligible voter uh, has the opportunity to, to vote by mail. Re- there's no prerequisites, no requirements, other than being eligible and you, you've, you've applied to and registered to vote
1: mm-hmm.
0: so you know there's a lot of the, no one's recreating the wheel anywhere for any of this stuff you know so there's a lot of information that people you know could gather if they want to on, on, on if we're going to change how elections are done in a certain area or we want to add some ease of allowing people to vote you know I mean I know on our side that's always the biggest challenge and the biggest thing we talk about when it comes to voting is is we want people that are eligible to vote to have the opportunity to register as easily as possible and be able to vote as easily as possible, and and to me those those types of things come with automatic uh, enrollment when you you know go get a, 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 a driver's license for example because mm-hmm. you know you're not in Texas you're not automatically you have to say yes to actually registering to vote instead of it just being automatic that you're registered to vote when you go get your driver's license for example, and so <clears throat> for me as long as you're eligible to be a voter then and we should make it as easy as possible to register that person to vote. And then when it comes to elections, we should make it as easy as possible for every single one of those registered voters to actually be able to vote. Mm-hmm. You know, And whether that's you know uh, being able to go to a mail-in system, <clears throat> uh, certainly having confidence in our elections, having machines that actually provide a paper trail so you can actually do an audit of them, uh, which gives people confidence when it provides a paper trail. Um, I think that's really important. Uh, and I, I think there's other things that are important, like, you know, why? why I, I know we have early voting and people always use that as, oh, we have all these early voting and there's plenty of time to vote. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, why isn't Election Day, the you know, our, our Election Day, the second, second Tuesday of November, mm-hmm. every year, really, right? It's every year. Uh, we have elections in the second Tuesday of November.
1: I guess we do. All, yeah, we do. Some way, shape, or form, huh?
0: Even in odd years, we have them. Whether those, those are usually like city or local type races and things like that, but we do every single year. But in those major ones, you know, the presidential election and the midterm election for sure. Uh, why don't we have it? A, why isn't it a holiday when people have off and
1: I'm a fan and of that can,
0: and can go vote and they don't have to try to worry. I understand. You know, your employer's supposed to give you X amount of hours to go vote, and they're supposed to do all these things. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I don't. I don't see why it, uh, it would hurt, or why at least the discussion can't be had in a rational manner.
1: I'm actually a, a big fan of of national holiday for election day. Uh, you mentioned the midterms. Now, I myself, admittedly, am on countdown to midterms right now, <laughs> and I I would like this <laughs> we're, we're counting. I would like this two year ish period to be one. Where the infrastructure is set my biggest problem with the mail-in and the the, the distance balloting and, and all that was that you can say well this state's been doing it for the last 50 years yes but this state hasn't it's brand new and to put the post office in charge of that makes as much sense as, as putting the irs in charge of health care and the hmm. dps or the dmv in charge of voter <clears throat> uh, i don't believe uh Voter ID should be tied into a driver's license because it's too easy to get a driver's license when you're not a citizen, and so to have it be automatic. So I think there needs to be a separate organization for photo ID for voter registration that has nothing to do with the driver's license.
0: Well, again, I, to me, to me, it's it's something that you know I, I hear a lot of people talk about having a voter ID card or whatever you want to call it, uh, which at the end of the day is is. If you look at it from a broad perspective, it may seem like, okay, that's not a bad idea to do that, to just try and ensure the um, um, that our elections are secure and that the right people are voting and the, the, the wrong people are not. You, you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? right? Uh, but at the end of the day, I think the challenge again is I would not be opposed to a system like that as long as... Somebody who's 85 years old and can't leave their house has the ability to get it,
1: which is and why they have to get away. And doesn't from have to pay for license. it. Absolutely agree right. With you so on
0: when that. you start charging money and you start making people have to go somewhere to a specific site to do it, that's where I have a problem because there's a lot of people that cannot do that.
1: Right, and so infrastructure needs to be. Yeah, I'm all for mail-in voting and 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 you know distance balloting or however you want to phrase it, but. The next few years, everything needs to be put in place to handle it well, across and I th- the board.
0: And I think what they would have to do is come up with an agreement on the type of system they're going to have mm-hmm. and then set an implementation period, right? Mm-hmm. And that implementation period might be two or three election cycles, two-year cycles, yeah. down the road so that they can get the infrastructure in place to actually execute it. Right. Uh, but if they don't, you know, they can't just say, okay, we're going to change it now, and in 2022 this is the way we're going to do it. I think that's the wrong answer because that would create... Yeah. Create too many problems, too much chaos. It's not the right well, it's way. What's a
1: good to, thing they didn't the, do it for the recent presidential election? It's, then. it's
0: not the right way to do it for for, for any right. you know kind That's, of implementation plan. That's not how you implement things.
1: Cool. Well, so we've talked about that. Uh, it hit some local stuff here. I want to talk COVID in Montgomery County. We sure. talked about it last time. Because something very interesting happened here. Uh, so uh, Montgomery County Public Health Department, they're the ones that put out the, the dashboard. Mm-hmm. And it used to be every week, but now they've gotten kind of twice a week. And it's like, well, compared to yesterday, it was this. And so it's hard to look at last week. So uh, on the... Fifteenth and the nineteenth, and then today three different dashboards were brought out. So from the fifteenth to the nineteenth, uh on the dashboard that came out on January the nineteenth, which is for us was yesterday, uh there was a one thousand five hundred and forty-nine count drop in active cases with no additional deaths. Now that was because of, of the timing of testing or people that they could no longer get in touch with, but I mean that was a significant drop. Just mm-hmm. say, okay, now fifteenth uh, probably about 20, 25% drop in active cases right there. That was on the 19th. That was yesterday. And then today, the new one comes out, and all of a sudden, there's a 238-person increase in active cases with five deaths. Now, of course, the five deaths did not happen between yesterday and today because a lot of this is coming in. That's right. So, But this is something that I I have to point out. So fortunately, with Montgomery County, there are so few deaths that or or cases that you, they're actually able to point out the age and the comorbidity factor of those instead of it just being I hate to say mass grave scenario <laughs> uh, like a lot of like New York there's just no way they could hope to L A right or, or L A exactly um, but of the the five most recent uh, deaths and on behalf of Women's that's online and myself and I know Jay every family that's going through this you know all my thoughts and heart is with you absolutely. And I know with mm-hmm. J2, all of them in their 70s to 90s pre-hospitalized with comorbidities. Now, I'm coming off of the holidays here where, you know, my own theater put on a Christmas show. And, of course, I was under fire from people. Oh, you're going to kill all these people. Three months before, we had another show where there were 500 people in the audience. Oh, you're going to kill all these people. And I, so this is why it's important that I always watch these things. So we're past, uh, by January the 20th, we're kind of past the... The holiday rush, as it were, for COVID. Everyone got together for the families and everything. And of course, Montgomery County is more laid back with only, and of the five deaths that happened for the previous two or three weeks, there had been no deaths since Christmas time. So five since last year, and all of them from their ages 70s through 90s with comorbidities. Moving forward, Jay. How do you think that's going to have an effect with local government, or if there's a federal mandate to say everyone hunker down again to where someone like Montgomery County could say we don't maybe need to?
0: Well, I think it goes back to the conversation we had last week. And I think it's, you know, again, these are, in my opinion, pretty difficult decisions to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's reg- easy
1: to armchair a quarterback, oh of I course, it's
0: easy in your living room or at your computer to, to <laughs> come sitting up in with, front of a green screen. To come up with the right answer <laughs> right uh but at the end of the day, I think we talked about this last week that that you know this is a difficult choice, and the, you know there's it's hard to make those types of decisions because there's so many effects of making those types of decisions mm-hmm. and i you know i my two cents on the whole thing is you know i'm not I'm not in favor of lockdowns, but I know that. In certain circumstances, perhaps they help. And I think data has kind of showed in areas of the world that have done like an entire lockdown, not like a little localized lockdown, mm-hmm. that it did have some benefits for them and their countries and the numbers and of cases and the number of deaths that they had. Uh, certainly can, can travel I, restrictions.
1: Did I don't, it or did it just kind of until they say, okay, we've been locked down for six months, let's open it up, and like New Zealand is a prime case. We haven't had a single new case, so let's... Let's reopen business, womb, because the virus is just kind of doing its nails. It's, it's always blaming. going to be
0: doing its thing, I think you know and so so the question be so I think it's difficult. and I, I said last time that I think communication amongst all you know the levels of government, certainly in local areas uh, adjoining counties and those types of things is really important. Okay. Uh, I'm not convinced it happens here, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but I think that's really important. I always say communication and in my line of work, communication is key to, to being able to you know get projects accomplished and do it the right way and make sure you make money and make sure the clients happy I mean it, there's so many things that go into decisions that are made but communication is is one of the key factors in, in making sure that happens so you know I think if we have a lack of communication and we have a lack of a, of a common message which I've said this from the beginning we have not had a common message coming from all levels of government uh, when it comes to things like just simple things like wearing a mask and washing your hands and social distancing. I mean, these are simple things to do. They don't they don't take away your liberties and your freedoms. I think it's the most ridiculous argument I've ever heard in my life. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, I wear a mask. Not it's, it's not about me. It's about the people that are around me. And I try to be respectful of those people. Um, and so I wear a mask and I'm so used to it now. It doesn't, I mean, I don't even think about it. I don't even think twice about it. I mean, You know, I went to Japan several times back in the early 2000s, whether it was for vacation or when I was in the military. And I I mean, in those days, there was no COVID in those days, but like everybody wore a mask all the time.
1: (laughs) I I lived there as a kid in the 70s and same thing. Yeah, so I absolutely agree with you. So I don't think
0: it's a hard concept. And I just think that having a a consistent message about it uh, is really important. And I think, unfortunately, we got off really on the wrong foot from the highest levels. Of government in this country on on uh, what we should be doing to try to just protect ourselves and protect our neighbors and our friends and our loved ones uh, as best we can, knowing nothing's foolproof. I mean, the only thing that's foolproof, I think, is if you put yourself in a in a uh, a sealed container that pumped in fresh oxygen to keep you alive and you never left. <laughs> I think that's the only well, thing that could save you. So I
1: saw Stephen King's The Stand, the original. Don't <laughs> don't waste your time on the remake. So, but, yeah, no matter what, nature will find a way.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, nothing's 100%, but I think, you know, I think the data shows, at least certainly today, that these things are helpful and they've, they've helped kind of reduce transmission. Um, and as, you know, as any virus, we see now that we have these... Um, strains changing on the viruses. Mm-hmm. So you have a different strain and, and how does that affect things? And, and I think what we've seen, at least at this point, is the strains are being more transmissible. They're not necessarily more deadly. Uh, they're just more transmissible um, from person to person or whatever the case may be. So, you know, I think it's something that, you know, now that vaccines are out, we're seeing how that goes. My grandmother gets hers tomorrow. Um,
1: Happy thoughts for grandma. Yeah,
0: well, almost 91. She's still She's still alive and kicking. Which is great, um, and screaming sometimes, <laughs> but uh, uh, so I think as you know, as we get more vaccines out there and more people get vaccinated, we're slowly going to get there. You know, I I, I don't ever, I don't know if I could ever say we're going to go back to normal because there's just too many people that are like the anti-vaxxers and all that stuff. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But again, to me, it's about consistent messaging and communication and. You know, if, if I think I said this last week too, that if, if some kind of lockdown type scenario happens, then they need to have a plan in place that makes sure it takes care of those people, whether it's a small business or uh, those types of things for how people are going to handle that for loss of income and, and those types of things. So.
1: Interesting to see what the coming weeks and months will bring us on yeah. with the, with this new uh, administration in place. Well, I think it's time for the main event now. Yeah. Uh, round three, clang clang. <laughs> uh, we're talking national stuff now, and of course, inauguration day. Now, of course, by the time you watch this, it's already been uh, done. Uh, we were supposed to record yesterday. I'm glad we didn't because I was nervous of something going down today. Because when we were recording during the uh, uh, by serendipity during the Capitol storming, I was being glib on some issues because it was kind of real time and yeah. I felt weird the next day. <laughs> uh, so I'm glad that it happened. Uh, contrary to what I've been fed over the last weeks, uh, there aren't presidential fingernail claw marks in the hallways. Uh, National Guard did not stop peaceful transition. Uh, nothing, absolutely nothing happened today. Nope. Most notably, no protests or riots, you know, to justify 30,000 troops. I guess we're not going to defund the National Guard this month. Uh, Of course,
0: maybe that's why.
1: Well, or maybe it could be the wall that was put up. (gasps) Walls could work. Um, But the fact is is that at this inauguration, typically uh, 200,000 invitations go out, it's estimated that in uh, 2017, though for Trump's inauguration, between 300 and 600 thousand people showed up. Uh, for today's inauguration, being very COVID-friendly, it's a fra- literally decimated a, a fraction of it. Ten percent, two thousand people were there. So there were literally a three uh, uh, a one point something to one ratio of National Guard troops. Sorry, uh, no, 2,000 people, 30,000 troops. What's that, like a 15 to 1 ratio there? So golly, it must have been the safest inauguration of the world. Uh, Biden did talk. I didn't listen to everything he said, but I know he was pushing kind of a, hey, you on the right, give me a chance. And uh, unity was talked about a lot. And I find that very, I'm trying to find a word for it. Uh, It does not sit well with me that... Much like, well, just a moment ago, you were talking about to have a consistent message. To me, there's a difference between having a common or consistent message and one. And that's the only one that's allowed, one voice that's allowed. And that's where I have an issue. And hand in hand with that, going with the unity for, I mean, President Trump, before he was even elected, you know, he was under a under investigation, under false uh you know dossier false pretenses um innuendo the fact is that he survived the you know basically five years worth of between presidency and campaign and he's not in jail nothing was found to throw him in jail over and god knows doj put all the resources into it so to to have just that constant nailing and that's what i think set off that was the tender, or the the, 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 the Flint for the, the capital storm. It's just, there are those who felt that was their, their final straw. And I'm kind of mixing my metaphors here. <laughs> but after four plus years of that, of people, I mean, I've got friends on Facebook actively wishing death upon the president and all things Republican. To I mean, big time. And now suddenly go, okay, now it's our guy, Unity. And if you 're not on board with us, then you must be filling in the blank and so it 's sitting wrong with me this whole kumbaya unity thing I love unity, but that 's not what Biden ran on. Biden Harris to not run a platform saying, "Vote for us, and we will unify everything that wasn 't there why today
0: well i don 't think it ha- i don 't think it started today um, but but i 'll say this you know i I think this country's been um at, uh, on edge, party-wise, uh, certainly longer than Trump was ever in office. Uh, it started long before Trump, quite frankly. It's not like Obama didn't have the same kind of uh, detractors going after him all the time, especially in the, in the news world, um, for, for whatever the case may be. So it's, it's not like the first time you know a president has ever been hounded. Uh, for one thing or but another, but Obama just stopped giving press and, conferences. He didn't so, give one for
1: like the last two years of his administration. So what? It's it's not dumb. Trump <laughs> did
0: the same thing. Okay. He stopped giving press conferences.
1: He when?
0: The Trump administration. Yeah, he, they, was, he was out did, there every day. With, he was not out there every day.
1: With with the first days of COVID, first several months, he was yeah. doing his day. Well,
0: of course, they were doing their COVID briefings, but I'm talking I'm talking about a press briefing in the White House press room. There was long there were long phases. Well, yeah, Kayla McInerney,
1: yeah, the the press secretary. I'm so, talking the Obama administration. There was no press conferences. There were all press releases handed out to the...
0: So that's they, uh, who cares. I don't it's, care.
1: It's one way not to have to answer any <laughs> questions, but. I'm sorry, but continue.
0: So, so so the point is, is that, you know, I, I'm not somebody who's all about kumbaya because it's impossible. Um, that's just not how humans work and, and that's not how society works. Um, I think that what we have to understand is we have to be able to have conversations with each other in a civil manner, uh, even on topics that we may not agree on
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and be able to talk out those differences and not just sit and call each other names. And so I to me, that's what's more important. You know, when, when I hear, you know, for me, especially in politics, when I hear unity, uh, that's more of what I hear. I'm not saying what other people hear. That's what I hear, mm-hmm. uh, because I understand that you know, for politics to work, uh, Democrats and Republicans have to work together. Um, they have to compromise. They have their wish lists. They both sides do, and they can put them on the table. And there are certain things that both sides will be able to be okay with. And then there's going to be those contentious items, if you will. that they have to figure out how they're gonna deal with them and and some of them they may have to just throw out because there's no there's you know for whatever reason that item just may not be able to be compromised and there's some items that are going to be compromised and they'll be able to come to some kind of agreement that's the best for the whole of the people that they represent which that's the whole point of the way our democracy works and how our elected officials are supposed to act while they're in office uh, is you know representing the people and when you get elected to an office, you're not elected to represent the people that like you or support you. You're, you're elected to represent everybody in, in that area that you represent and try to find, you know, the common grounds that we can work with each other on. And, and be able to have civil conversations about our thoughts on things that we don't agree with. Um, and, and maybe at the end of the day, on certain topics, we'll never come to an agreement. Uh, it'll be one of those uh, we'll agree to disagree, uh, but at the end of the day, we'll, we'll have an understanding of why each side feels the way they do. And and to me, the most important outcome of that is to make sure, even even though they may disagree uh, on a certain topic, that their their argument is based on facts and not based on something else. And they just interpret, you know, interpret that particular piece of data differently. Because we, we went through this last week with COVID. We can take data and manipulate it a million different ways mm-hmm. and have two different outcomes. Um, and it's the same thing with any kind of policy issues and all those kinds of things. So I think it's important that, you know, people can sit and talk to each other um, and have a civil conversation. And it's not just about, you know, as soon as a conversation starts or... Hi, my name is, are you a Republican or a Democrat? I've certainly got that a lot. And if I, I as soon as I say Democrat, they stop talking to me and they'll walk mm-hmm. or give me a, you know, a look or a face or a gesture, whatever the case may be. Um, and, and it's unfortunate, I think, that they do, that people do that because yeah. that that's not how we should be judging people. Oh, I know? agree. When I'm I really... was this big, you know, but still remember <laughs> when I was young, uh, we didn't judge people based on what political party we were associated with. We based- it,
1: we're both old enough, and I'm probably twice your age, so I really remember. Uh, That's a lie. Didn't That's matter fake as, news, but, yeah, right there. <laughs> it didn't matter as much. The you know there were reaching across the aisles it, 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 because when I was younger, I could tell. I couldn't tell you who the Republican president was and who the Democrat Congress was and vice versa. But now, I mean, four year olds are being drilled. Orange man bad all things Republican bad, you know, it's, it's become this, this rabid thing. And I know that I feel, especially with, I don't want to say the mainstream media, I don't want to sound like a, a pundit here, hmm. but they just didn't like him. And I can't help but think I was, I was talking, having another conversation today. If Trump had actually been pro mask from the beginning and told people, Wear wear your mask, wash your hands, and this and that. I can pretty much guarantee you the media would have been, he's a fascist dictator taking away our rights. Don't wear the mask because everything he said, it's a corollary of him saying way back in the day, I could shoot someone in Fifth Avenue and still have fans, which was kind of true. But here's the thing, he could have cured cancer yesterday and the media would have found some way to make it a bad thing. And if he'd been smart, he just would have gone the other route to, to force the media to be contrary to him.
0: Well, you know, I, I of course I'm biased because I sit on a certain side of the aisle about certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I watch a lot of news and I watch it on all different channels, mm-hmm. uh, whether I enjoy sitting and watching certain channels or not. But I do it because I think it's important to do it, to be able to have a conversation about uh, certain cert- certainly certain topics that you talk about, right? Because... You know, different networks are going to uh, approach those topics differently. And so I think it's important to understand how both sides are kind of approaching it before you decide to get yourself into a conversation about a specific topic. You know, but at the end of the day, I look at this. You know, I, had a, I was having a conversation with my boss today. No, yesterday, as a matter of fact. And he said something about, you know, people should, should vote for people based on policy and, and their stances on policy. Because I had mentioned to him that I, you know, of course, I have a lot of friends that didn't care for Trump, <laughs> and uh, I know, right? Shocking. Uh, and I said something about that. And I have a lot of Republican friends that did not care for Trump, mm-hmm. um, and I said something about that. And, you know, he's he, he's always, you know, he's he's a Republican. He's a pretty diehard Republican, and but he's pretty rational. We have great conversations. We can talk politics.
1: <laughs> he's a Republican, <laughs> but he's rational.
0: Well, I think it's important to put that caveat on there because I, I, there are a, a lot of irrational Republicans. I live in a county with a lot of them. And I'm not lying. Mm-hmm. And so, but, but at the end of the day, he said something like, well, he's not a, that person's not a true Republican because you vote on policy issues. And I I kind of left it there, you know, I got to pick and choose my battles But you know, I kind of thought about that more and I'm like well I agree that we should look at candidates and look at their stances on policy issues I don't I don't think that's a wrong thing to do. I think that's the right thing to do We shouldn't be we shouldn't be voting for people because of a letter We should be voting for people because of what they stand for as a candidate and what they want to do and not prejudge them and lump them in groups like we've talked about several times and I kind of feel the same way about that. I mean, just because you're a Republican doesn't mean you like every Republican that's out there. Mm-hmm. Because certain Republicans, you know, there's Republicans that do things that are not good, right? And there's Democrats out there that do things that are not good mm-hmm. that they shouldn't do. And and those are the types of things I think we should base it on, right? You know, because I could have sat there and said, well, uh, yes, we should, you know, vote on uh, for people based on policies. So... You know, what policies should I be, sh- you know, should we, should I have voted for in the, you know, for example, President Trump? What, what What? are the policy issues, especially knowing what I know now, like in this last election? What would have caused me to vote for him instead of, you know, who I voted for? You know, and I and I look at things like, and these are the, these are the issues that I think the media has a lot of problems with. You have, and let's talk about COVID, because we kind of started this on the COVID conversation. So mm-hmm. he had a taped conversation with Bob Woodward. Who Anyone who follows the media knows who Bob Woodward is, uh, if yeah. we can talk about Nixon.
1: <laughs> One day I'm going to come up with a list of every time he said, this is the new Watergate. <laughs> it's so, this long.
0: So so beyond that, the thing I think that, the, that people and the media, quite honestly, have have trouble with in, in respect to, to Trump is that he, he's in a taped interview of, talking about COVID-19
1: mm-hmm.
0: early on. Mm-hmm. and understands how dangerous it is and how bad it is for knowing he he know he talked to him it's on tape it's his voice mm-hmm. he knew how bad it was and then he goes out in front of the public and says nothing to see here that is the problem people have especially me with somebody in that office that will sit there and and understands clearly knows how dangerous it is but then goes on camera to the public and says It'll be nothing to see here. It'll be gone. It's a few people, to, it, nothing to see here. That is the problem that I certainly had with him. I'm certainly not sad he's gone because that wasn't the only time he did those types of things. Mm-hmm. And so when you can't just be up front and be honest, especially about something like that, which shouldn't be political to begin with, then you lose all credibility with me, period. And and I, you know, so I I can't even... That's the only thing I can say about it, because it's that type of stuff that um, puts my mind where it is, because Mm -hmm. it's his voice on tape. Mm -hmm. It's not like somebody said, oh, he said, a source said, no, it's his voice on tape. He said it, and then he lied. I have a problem with that. Okay. So that's my stance.
1: All right. Um, I do want to talk about the 17 executive actions that new president biden today uh has started signing uh where the the pen came out he didn't even need the phone this time so uh uh halting the construction of the border wall just it's but lay down your hammers it's done um undo the uh the quote muslim travel ban which is i just that's like to me that's as broad and misleading as the bathroom bill. You know, it's not a Muslim ban on, on travel. There are bad guys out there that want to hurt us. There should not be free access back and forth without certain safeguards in place. And until we can figure it out and to keep another nine eleven from happening, safeguards need to be in place on that. Even but- those
0: people were already here but
1: we will, we'll go on. Well, you know, the, the people who are already here were already here when they plowed into the, the Twin Towers. That's
0: what I'm talking about. They were about. here.
1: They, they went to flight school here. That's the right. guy that that uh, shot up Fort Hood was uh, an Arm, Army officer here. That's right. So, yeah, it's you got to have safeguards in place, but that's gone. Um, restoring federal employees' collective bargaining rights uh, right off the bat for some reason – uh, rejoining the Paris Climate Accord, uh, instituting uh, a 100-day uh, mask—what's uh, morato- an anti-moratorium? Mor- <laughs> or the other—mask uh, on federal properties. A pause on student loan payments and evictions. Uh, my stance—and we, we can like kind of cover a couple of these—but my stance on that is— It's easy. I was in a debate with someone one time, and he said, There just needs to be a total shutdown of everybody. Just everything shuts down for for six weeks. And this was probably early summer of of COVID time. And I said, Okay, how are you going to eat? Well, the delivery guy, no, 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 no. Everyone shut down. Well, no, not them. (laughs) Okay, well, so then the drivers, yeah, because they're essential. I said, Okay, uh, who made the food? Well, these people, well, they're like, no, no, not those people. So, in other words, you'd rather have 40 people put their lives at risk for you to bring you your food. So, <laughs> you know, you can't have that. So every time there's a we're going to pause these payments or, or pause even you, you can't evict someone. How's that person going to pay their bills when they're not getting their money? You, you know, it just doesn't stop. And I'm sure as the new administration continues, we're going to talk about. Student loan forgiveness and these other things that are in the pipeline or pipe dreams, mm-hmm. but just right here, right now, just to have these more, you know, right out of the bat, stopping evictions. But so the people that's not
0: coming, that's not being put in place just because he's taking office, by the way. Those are things that have been in place,
1: already. yeah. But it's extending it, yes. you know. And so, almost let's be indefinite. clear about that, yeah. You're absolutely right on that, <laughs> uh, killing the Keystone XL pipeline, uh, undoing um, the immigration enforcement that that has been. Uh,
0: Separation of kids at the border. Which, let's be clear about well, what yeah, which what started Which
1: started way before 2016. In fact, four years before 2016. Um, yes,
0: but let's talk about that for a second. Sure. So the Obama administration did not have a policy that said every family that came to the border, they were separated. That was not the policy in the Obama administration. Not a
1: policy, but it happened.
0: That is not what happened. Okay. So what happened was, is that if a child came with adults whether they were parents or not, mm-hmm. and it was deemed that, that those adults were dangerous or had a problem or criminal background, whatever it was, mm-hmm. they separated that child from those adults. Mm-hmm. But if a family came across and it was a legitimate family and they there was no issues with that family, they did not separate them.
1: Okay. What did they what, do?
0: What were They put them together. Where? In a facility. And then? An immigration facility.
1: And then which direction did they go from there?
0: I'm sure it depended on uh, w- what happened with them, whether it was courts or whether i you know. What,
1: well, because th- these are people who are crossing illegally. Understood. So they should have been sent back south. Okay. But they weren't, which is why, with with the current, well, with the now immediately past uh, administration, uh, yeah, there's a separation. Do you so, take your child to an armed robbery? So,
0: so we're talking about. So no, 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 we're not going there. With this.
1: But with the. We're, the not, a,
0: we're not going to go there. Okay,
1: well, if you're going to conduct a criminal act and crossing a border of a okay. sovereign nation is a criminal act anywhere in the world, you know, it's easy to say America sucks on this, but everybody's got borders. And everyone has immigration so issues.
0: So I have long said that we have a problem with our immigration system in the United States. Mm-hmm. Long said it. But if you We need immigration reform more than we need anything else. But, to but bring instituting along, a policy that you separate children from their parents, no matter what the circumstances are, if they come to the border, is the wrong answer. And it's immoral. It's immoral. It, they should not be treated that way. I'm not saying that they are in the right legally. But I'm saying from a humane standpoint... That is not what you do.
1: That is not
0: what the United States should do. And no one will ever convince me that that should change.
1: Now, is it not true that illegal immigration plummeted during the Trump administration?
0: Well, I don't know that it plummeted. I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure it went down. Okay. Um, But at the end of the day, that's not, that is not fixing the problem. That is like putting a band-aid on a gaping wound.
1: At the beginning of the administration, there were so many coming that literally there weren't enough facilities to hold families. To have rooms big enough mm-hmm. to hold it. And, of course, we're talking, you're saying separating children from uh, parents. How about children from adults? Because quite frequently they got to figure out if these kids even belong to these adults or if this is being a human trafficking situation.
0: There's a lot of issues that go on with it. I don't disagree. So, But to have a policy that you separate children from adults, no matter what the circumstances are when they show up at the border, is the wrong answer and it's in i don't care if it stopped it that is not the point we need to fix the immigration system that we have in the united states when fixing the immigration system is not separating children from adults at the border with with no research just nope we're going to separate how do you stop that doesn't fix anything
1: how do you stop? that doesn't fix anything how how can you start to fix it if it's unchecked crossing illegally it's not unchecked. It was.
0: <laughs> it wasn't unchecked.
1: Yeah, I, 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 This is what I want to talk about next week with this. Was I want- every single
0: person, were there people that got through with, with no one confronting them? Sure. It ha- yes, it happens. Mm-hmm. That's what happens, right? But again, the immigration system, putting a wall from sea to shining sea doesn't fix the problem. Because now you're, now you're talking about taking land from landowners to try to build a wall on when they don't want the wall. And it may, geog- ge- geographically, it may not even make sense to put a wall there. So it's not just putting a wall from sea to shining sea. It's not about separating children from adults. That doesn't fix our immigration system. Until somebody wants to start talking about how we fix our immigration system, if there's a place on the border that needs a wall, Let's put a wall there. Well, that's if there's started. a place on the border that doesn't make sense to put a wall, let's not put a wall. Let's invest in technology. Let's invest in more border patrol agents. Let's invest in more equipment to make sure that we can uh, police that border. Let's make sure we have enough judges that can deal with these immigration cases so somebody doesn't get a, come across and they have to wait two years to see a judge. It's ridiculous. That, it's not, that's what needs to happen. We need to have resources, we need to have more judges, uh, we need to have uh, clear policy on how people are going to be handled. We have to have enough border, like legal locations for them, border crossing locations, manned so that they can handle these people as they come to the border and seek asylum or whatever the case may be. So these are the things we're not doing. Mm-hmm. And that is what needs to happen to fix the problem. But it can't, all, but happen this it can't all happen at this day one. It can all happen on day one. You're absolutely right. But separating children from adults is not how you do it. That's the only part of immigration I'm talking about right now. I agree there's problems. But having a policy that separates children from adults is absolutely inhumane and disgusting. And for anybody who thinks that that's the right answer of how to combat our immigration problem is got a real problem in the I don't brain. think
1: it's the answer to combat the Ill- illegal immigration problem. Of course, this is where a lot of the muddy water happens. I love immigration. I spent my whole life growing up overseas. I love this country's built on immigrants. There's a difference between uh, immigrants and the 11 million illegal immigrants that are about to be signed through saying, come on in.
0: That's not what's happening either. Okay. So what did Reagan do?
1: He's the final amnesty word said, This is the last one. And it was universally agreed that would be the last. I think it was 11 million immigrants, illegal immigrants, said, This is amnesty. That tried right, a Republican president. And what
0: did he do? How he, did that amnesty work?
1: It, well, about five years later, the Democrats mm. said, Come on in. What?
0: So, how is this one supposed to work? Which one? W- what Biden's talking about.
1: You mean just, just signing it in?
0: Well, you talked about undoing immigration enforcement. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so what, what, what's his plan?
1: Okay, immigration enforcement, which means not just separating kids. Okay, it's, so what about
0: the illegal immigrants? How's he going to handle building
1: that? Building up. Huh?
0: How's he going to handle the illegal immigrants I, that are already here?
1: I, well, I have, my sense is that Biden's going to give them more amnesty.
0: And what do you mean by amnesty?
1: So you give them full voting rights.
0: When? How?
1: Well, he's got two. Like years he's going to sign
0: a piece of paper and just say it's done.
1: He's already started.
0: That's that's not how his plan's even going to work. Okay, I have said for a long time when it comes to the <clears throat> illegal immigrants that are living in this country already here, not the ones you know. I'm not talking about new immigrants. I'm talking about the existing immigrants, the 11 million you're talking about that exist in our country,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm talking about those that their only crime is that they don't have papers. They haven't committed crimes. They don't go rob and steal. They work. They pay. They get paid. They take care of their families. That's where I have
1: an issue myself. It's like, well, they've only broken one law, not two, just one.
0: So I'm talking about how do we fix the problem?
1: How do we fix the problem?
0: So you cannot fix the problem. You have to deal with the $11 that are already here. And if we think that sending out forces to round them up and kick them out of the country is the right answer, you're absolutely wrong. Because the amount of manpower and money that would cost far outweighs the consequences of that happening. Because people say, oh, these 11 million immigrants, they take all our jobs and they don't pay taxes. Well, you're wrong. I haven't met a single person that would typically go do a job that those immigrants do. So they didn't take your job. They're doing a job you wouldn't do to begin
1: with. And see, I have an issue with that. And the
0: second part is, is they get paid. And they pay taxes. Because they go to the store and buy groceries. They go to the store and buy clothes. They go to the store and buy whatever it is they buy, Mm -hmm. they're paying taxes. And they pay taxes in the billions and billions of dollars a year. So it's not like they don't contribute anything to our system. And no, they don't have the ability to collect Social Security because they are not here legally and they can't apply for the program. Mm -hmm. So when they pay taxes, even if they pay work taxes, they still can't get Social Security because they can't qualify for it.
1: If only but they're there still were paying to taxes. come here legally. So,
0: so the point I'm trying to make is that for us to fix the immigration system, number 1, there has to be a path to citizenship for those people that are here. And in coordination with that, we have to do all those other things I already talked about. Where 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 does the border need a wall? We need more technology, we need more resources, and we need more equipment. We need more judges, we need more locations, and make sure we have staffing that can handle these people so that when they get a court date, they go to their court date because it's not two years away. It's within a few weeks or a month or whatever it is they have. So these are the things that are going to start fixing the immigration system. And if we think we can do, you know, round these 11 million up and throw them out and, you know, separate kids from adults at the border and that's going to magically fix our problem, it's not going to work. And it never certainly
1: will. certainly no easy answers to this. It will be interesting interesting to see how much of an increase of manpower and technology this democratically controlled government will do. And my gut says well, probably not so much.
0: Well, I, I don't ever get um, overly optimistic about it from any administration because it's needed to be done for forty or fifty years, and not neither administration has done it. Neither of them have tackled it. Neith, and really, you know, it's not to me. It's not so much the president of the United States and what party they're associated with that deals with this. Mm-hmm. It's Congress, and Congress is wholly broken, and it's been wholly broken for years. And they don't know how to work with each other. They don't want to talk to each other. And as far as I'm concerned, as long as that continues to happen, we will never fix any of these problems.
1: Well, hopefully, unity will prevail. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on to the next segment now. Uh, yeah. Very uh, good, intense, emotional, and I'd like to see how this uh, turns well, out. Well, I
0: think it's I think it's an important topic, right? Mm-hmm. I, I really do. And there's things that that happened. You know, I'm not saying they didn't happen before, but for very under very different circumstances. There, there was not a policy that just carte blanche did what we just talked about, and I had a real, real, real issue with that. I mean, I come from an immigrant family. Um, so I and my you know my grandmother is an immigrant from Germany, uh, grew up there during World War II during Nazi and Hitler times. So I get to hear great I say great stories, but I do. It's history. Mm-hmm. I get to hear good stories because she was a teenager. Uh, during those those years. So she knew what was going on. She could see it and she remembers it because It's not like she was two years old and so you know that history and, and understanding that How immigration played a part in my family, mm-hmm. you know, and, and my grandmother was married uh, To my grandfather who was an American GI they got married in Germany And then he sent her over here and my dad had already been born and so he sent her over here so she came over here alone with my dad and Grandpa was still doing his thing. She went to Wisconsin. That's where the family was, mm-hmm. and uh, she had to get a sponsor, and she had to do what she had to do for X number of years, and and uh, you know my dad and they you know she she didn't speak much English. My dad spoke no English. You know my dad used to go to school as a little kid. He didn't. Speak, he got made fun of all the time because he couldn't speak English. And, of course, it's funny today because he can't speak a word of German. So <laughs> the tables have turned completely. But, but at the end of the day, I understand and I come from an immigrant family, so I'm passionate. And I know you are. Uh, I know you are passionate about this topic. Too. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's good to have these conversations. And I think it's good that you get emotional during these conversations because, I mean, it's, I'm not sitting here like a robot, you know, just uh, tweeping off, you know, right. sound bites. I mean, it's something I, I really deeply care about. Um, and there's lots of topics I deeply care about. And, and so, you know, I think it's good to have emotion in these conversations. Because you, you can have emotion. We never called each other names. and, and Not uh,
1: out loud. No, but, I'm but joking. You, but yeah, you can get emotional. Get it's oh, okay to get
0: emotional. Yeah. It's just you don't need to call people, you know, stupid and idiots and, oh, you're a dumbass if you think that. You know, you, you got to be able. To, you can be emotional without doing that kind of stuff. Right.
1: So but now next week, I got to wear the T-shirt with the finger. Just... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving on to our final segment of this show. What's going to kill us this week? Well, in my humble opinion, which may or may not necessarily reflect the opinions of Jay Stittleberg, the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, Tea Party, Patriot Party, Coffee Party, or <clears throat> Woodlands Online, uh, what's going to kill us this week is anything and everything ever having to do anything with Donald J Trump. That's right. Even now, they're they're still wanting to, there are those wanting to proceed with criminal investigations and and shutdowns. One of the things that make this country so wonderful is, is the power of the boycott. I love the power of the boycott. I, I truly do. It's a fine line between boycott and cancel culture, hmm. and and here we are. The first, uh, the First Amendment is not protected by Amazon dumping parlor. Much like uh, Colin Kaepernick's taking a knee wasn't protected by the First Amendment because that keeps government intrusion from happening there is no first amendment protection in the workforce in the public sector there's the oh, sorry private sector which means that if amazon wants to dump parlor which is for some reason some magical voice of all things evil uh you know it was to me it was parlor was I, I was on it it was rc cola to facebook's uh pepsi you know it was uh, a. <laughs> uh but it must be destroyed now uh me we must be destroyed now uh any uh trump's chances i'm still laughing at we've got to impeach him to keep him from running again if you're so afraid he's going to win again how can you be afraid because you know a record number of people didn't you know voted for the other guy so why would there be a fear of him coming coming back it's uh (coughs) even today uh, the simple fact that and there's no secret i did not vote for him either time i voted for myself and i didn't waste my vote because i was running for president on my own platform and i trusted me more than anyone else running running but the simple fact is that the simple fact that i have an r after my name even though i don't never voted straight ticket i'm still losing friends and associates and and not that I, I really care. I survived hmm. all of my ex-wives. I can survive any name that someone <laughs> throws at me. But it's if we're talking unity from the new president, I sure would like to see that uh, in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. Uh, especially as each day passes, and there are those who have been blaming Trump for everything wrong in their life, going to have that excuse taken away bit by bit till. Eventually, they can't anymore, and then that's where the real soul searching, for me, will begin.
0: Well, uh, the only thing I'll add to that for me, from my perspective, is uh, I don't think that unity comes into the equation until we have accountability. And so that's how I'll say that.
1: I'm a fan. Okay. No, the corollary. What's no longer killing us this week? Well, I'm going to glump this all into one big thing. Everything that Trump did that was going to kill us the last four years and didn't kill us. And I'm talking about peeing on a mattress. That's right. That's no longer going to kill us anymore, even though James Comey himself said that was real. And and every late-night comedian pass that off as real and it never happened so uh, no longer killing us uh, Ru- uh, Russian hookers uh, Trump being a Russian agent Trump being a Chinese agent Trump being a Syrian agent Trump being an Iraqi agent uh, I lost track of num- the number of agencies he ran for uh, Trump starting World War three with North Korea Trump starting World War three with communist China Trump starting World War three with the European Union uh, Uh, No longer killing us. Uh, Trump cutting the CzC budget by 80%, which never happened. Trump cutting $2 trillion from Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, which never happened. And even Andrew Cuomo himself saying that Trump wanted to end public labor unions. And, of course, Trump's uh, success at net neutrality. All these things were going to kill us, but magically, they're just not going to kill us anymore, Thankfully.
0: Well, for me, uh, I'll just add one more thing to the no longer killing us this week, and for me, uh-huh. it's QAnon. Because, yeah, because a lot of the QAnon supporters have have. It's very humorous, in my opinion, to see that a lot of them have you know basically kind of said we've been hoodwinked. Shocker, <laughs> Sh- shocking. Anyway. That's my two cents on the no longer killing us this week. There you
1: go. I like that one. Okay, well, we've reached the end of our program, which means it's time for us to reach down. And pop open non-sponsorship drinks here because it's important to us at Purple Politics that two men of opposing viewpoints can get in each other's grill, get in each other's business, and still crack a drink open at the end. Say cheers. And we will see you next week where we will be the first full week into, from our perspective, the Biden administration. I'd love to just do a weekly update and see what's going on. I'd also like to uh, cover what the Texas state legislature may be getting up to.
0: Yeah, I think that's important, and we'll look forward to seeing you. And again, if you guys have comments or questions or you want to enter into the dialogue, please leave us comments. Uh, and you can also get a hold of us. How can they get a hold of us, Sean?
1: Well, if you call me at 976-HOT-BUNS, I'm joking. Do not call that number. Send an email to shows at com. If you know Jay or you know me, you can probably get a hold of us on Facebook. Drop us a note here. Please share the word about Purple Politics. This we. This show is important to us. Uh, We we give up our time every week, research this thing, because it's important for us to be able to reach some consensus, or even if we can't, to respect each other's opinions and pass it on to you, and that's how it starts to grow and we affect some change in the world.
0: That's right, because remember, you can have passion in your discussions, uh, but we don't need to call people names. That's right. And we can be civil at the end of the day and... Have a drink
1: together. Have a a drink. And we'll
0: look forward to seeing you next time on Purple Politics.
1: Have a good one.